0: Donald Trump absolutely crushing in New Hampshire. And it seems like we're heading for a bleep show. I'm Matt Robeson. This is the Beyond Politics Podcast. I am thrilled to be coming to you with Neil Levesque, the executive director of the St. Anselm's Institute of Politics, who oversees one of the best, highest quality polls in the country. They are out with a fresh edition. It's always fascinating, insightful, and really great to have you on to talk about a new edition of one of these polls. And you've got some steaming hot stuff coming at us. So Neil, first of all, welcome back.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, this is so fresh that you might see me looking down at my notes just to make, you You got to memorize these numbers sometimes and it takes a little bit, but we only did this about an hour ago. It's brand
0: new. What's fun about this is it's got like a time-shifting element to it. We're recording this, before it comes off embargo. I love that you embargo these things. It makes me feel like I'm in the Cuban Missile Crisis. All right, let's get right to the headline here. Actually, why don't you give me the top lines right now that all our viewers and listeners want to hear? How's how is how's it going in the Republican primary? And how's it going between the two front runners in a general election matchup?
1: It feels like 2020, right? We have,
0: for all intents oh, and no, purposes- Oh no, don't say that. Oh yeah, no. no.
1: It feels like it. So there's two- two people who are basically running as incumbents. And voters are treating them like that. Stay away from our candidates. We don't like them, but we're going to vote for them anyway. And, And so we've got Trump and DeSantis, Trump and Biden, followed by DeSantis, and then Chris Christie in the Republican side of things, all leading. And then, of course, the same goes for Biden. Now, the big thing here is if it's Biden and Trump, 83% 83% of voters believe that is a demonstration that the system is broken. It's a telling tale that if those two folks, if we have a rematch at 2020, a lot of people are going to be dissatisfied as voters. No surprise there, really, frankly, but that's where our numbers indicate.
0: So actually, I do want to circle back to that point about what a bleep show. this is. This is shaping up to me. But it sounds like you're saying that on the Republican side, Donald Trump is in a very strong position.
1: He's definitely in a strong position. DeSantis dropped down 10 points to 19 in the poll. 10-point reduction. Now, keep in mind that he's had some bad press. Trump's super PAC has been running some pretty nasty ads against him here in New Hampshire. And that has contributed to him declining by 10 points. And Trump has risen slightly. Remember that Governor Sununu, who was thinking of running for president, is not in this poll. So it would be interesting to where those some of those voters went to, but, but Trump is the overall favorite. And what have we seen? Each time I've been on this show with you, we've had a poll and Trump's been in the lead and nothing's changed that. So you have 37 count indictment, you have the indictments back in Florida, you have A CNN town hall where he talks about pardoning people from January 6th, all these different things, and nothing shakes his numbers. He is rock solid. It it could be tribal at this point. I don't know. But here's the main thing. The variable that Republican candidates are thinking about is time, right? Because that's the only variable right now is time. But no one seems to be picking up any steam against Trump. And they haven't found what the secret sauce is to do. So it's not like we've done all this polling and these candidates have figured out, okay, if I say Donald Trump is this, that, and the other thing, and I'm not, that's going to get me votes. And they haven't figured that out. Now, DeSantis has tried this idea that I will beat Biden and Trump will lose to Biden. And our poll here, again, we come out with some numbers. Now, New Hampshire is not the national poll. But New Hampshire is a pretty good finger in the wind for what's going to happen nationally. Biden is beating Trump 49
0: to 40. Wow. 49 to 40. That is not as close as I would have expected.
1: It's not close at all in American politics in 2024. And guess what? Biden beats DeSantis 49-40. Wow. Same number. So if you're going to make an argument that you're going to beat Biden, it's going to be tough to do that if we have polls that show that's not in
0: fact the case now So, so much i want to get into from this i just let me just jump on something you alluded to a moment ago because this morning as we record this a new national poll came out from nbc news their polling is pretty good and it tracks eerily closely to yours now Our longtime listeners and viewers have heard me say this before, that your polling truly is an excellent barometer for the national environment. And this poll seems to give some pretty good support to that idea because it tracks incredibly closely, both in the margin by which Biden would defeat Trump, and also in the standing it's almost exact since their last poll. They show Trump gaining five points like you do, and they show DeSantis losing 10 points like you do. So it it seems like there's let me ask you, what do you make of the fact that your polling in the state of New Hampshire is tracking so closely with this highly regarded national poll?
1: I think that as time goes on, these are national elections to some degree and people are getting their news from similar sources. And they may be in different media outlets as far as television ads and things like that. But overall, I think that generally we're mirroring what people in other parts of the country are saying. And again, there's been some nasty stories. There's one today in the New York Times about DeSantis not doing well here in New Hampshire. And they point to these reasons he's not a feely, touchy-feely kind of candidate and all this stuff. I wanna be fair to him, The fact that I think that's a bunch of bunk. I think DeSantis is not doing well because no candidate, DeSantis, Christie, or any of the other ones, have figured out how to take votes away from the incumbent, guy who's been leading since day one. What are you going to say that he, the Billy Bush brag, are you going to say he got indicted that he, that he inspired the events of January 6th, that he hid national security things for his own benefit? What are you going to say?
0: That's such a fascinating point because up till now, I think as analysts, we've been talking a lot about the fracturing of the Republican field, which is a dynamic we saw in 2016. It was just like there are too many. It's like the movie Amadeus, too many notes. There are too many guys and gals running against him. And so that kind of splits up the anti-Trump vote. What you're saying is that's maybe true, but it's not as simple as that. It's also a lack of a coherent message. And we're seeing different theories being put forward in the Republican marketplace. You've got DeSantis saying, I am the way to have your MAGA cake and eat it too. I'm more acceptable. I'm more likable. I'm Donald Trump without all the stuff and the baggage you don't like. And then you've got Nikki Haley kind of trying to ride the razor's edge between being anti-Trump and pro-Trump. And then you've got Chris Christie coming out and throwing haymakers. And none of these approaches are getting traction. And you're just seeing, basically, your argument is that in New Hampshire, when Trump casts the eye of Sauron on one of his opponents, in this case, Ron DeSantis, with his funnel of super PAC negative ads on TV, it sinks them. It's an arrow to the heart of Ron DeSantis. and. The next one who manages to start to get a little bit of traction, maybe it'll be Tim Scott. Maybe it'll be Asa Hutchinson. Who knows? Great. Th- then you're just next up in the batter's box to get mown down by the Trump machine. Is that basically what you're saying?
1: Yes. Now, the new entry, which is Chris Christie, he hasn't been in the race for very long. He's taken a different tactic, which is to go right at Trump head on. Now, he's in third place. Not a great showing compared to Trump's number, but still he's in third place it will be interesting as things go on here and he takes that tactic if that works he's the only one that's really outside some of the candidates that you mentioned you kind of wonder are since elections are about contrasts are they creating contrasts with trump cuz he's in the lead mm. we saw this here recently with a us senate race in a primary where a candidate who had run before had a lead in november december January, February, March, April, May, June, July. And then big surprise, come September, they won the primary. And they had a lead in the beginning and nothing changed that. And I think that some degree, Trump is going to win this primary unless something happens that changes that trajectory. So far, I could be off base, but there is no, nothing that's changing it. And it's showing up in, this, in these numbers.
0: Let's take a break. We'll be right back. It seems like the problem for all of these guys is, and this comes out in your poll, is when you look at the messaging, what you find is that the Donald Trump greatest hits album is not popular with the general electorate out there. You find that only 27% of voters believe that the 2020 presidential election was not won by Joe Biden. Only 42% believe that the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop are a legitimate election issue. But at the same time, among the Republican primary electorate, you find a clear majority believing that the recent indictments of Trump are legitimate. So that's, that's bad for Trump in a general election. But in the Republican primary, 50% of Republican primary voters do believe that the 2020 election was stolen. 78% do believe that the Biden laptop is a legitimate campaign issue. And 76% believe that the indictments of Donald Trump are politically motivated. All of his messaging, what he's selling, Republican primary voters are buying. And if I'm heading one of these Republican campaigns of one of these other candidates, I don't see a, a crack in that wall. I don't see where I wedge myself in and say, you agree with me on this more than you agree with Donald Trump.
1: And one poll that I always regretted doing not doing was when Tom Brady got caught deflating footballs.
0: He likes his balls soft. And, and I, what I always regret is that SNL didn't do an extended skit about that, but go <laughs> on.
1: So I always thought, wouldn't it be great to test New England voters about whether or not they thought Tom Brady was cheating and then go to a state like Texas where they love their football. There are, everybody's watching football. Everybody's watching the same game, same television set. And the people in Texas say he absolutely deflated the football and the Patriots fan in New England say he did not deflate the football. Same game, same thing, very tribal. And in this case, it's exactly what's happening on mm. the Republican electorate. And, you know, anyone who has spent any time regarding the 2020 election can't legitimately believe that the election was stolen. But why are 50 percent? Because it's a tribal reaction. And it's the same reason why a lot of people thought that the CN town hall was rough on Trump and that the person who was doing the CN interview was mean to him they reacted and they thought he's, they're attacking our guy. He's our guy and no one can attack him because he's part of our family. And
0: that's Point of a- interest for our listeners, as people hear about the CNN town hall, that was at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics. You've heard of it, I'm sure.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that was here on campus. And it was a very interesting event because you talk about the greatest hits. Trump hadn't really spoken until that CNN town hall. And then he came out and was asked these questions. And what did he say? Basically that he was gonna side with Russia on Ukraine and settle it right off the bat, that, he, that the 2020 election was stolen, on and on. And he reminded voters that these this is what he's standing for. Remember that if anybody has solid numbers, it's Trump, but if anybody probably has a solid ceiling, it's Donald Trump. And in this case, in a general election in New Hampshire, he would garner 40 percent. And 40 percent is not enough.
0: That is that's a great way to put it. Maybe that's the best way I've heard anyone put it so far It is that is the double edged sword. And it's interesting in some of the post hoc analysis. We don't have to get into this, but obviously, you know, you you are the executive director of the St. Anselm's Institute of Politics. So like you had a front row seat to this. Let's just say it was an historic event, this town hall. Some of the criticism about the event after the fact, the response from now departed CNN head Chris Licht was, look, it is newsworthy. It is our responsibility and actually a benefit to the American public to put Donald Trump in his unvarnished reality in front of the voters and to let them make informed decisions. And it, it gets to the exact Catch 22 that you just outlined, which is that Donald Trump's shtick plays, and it's the Tom Brady football thing. There are a lot of Texas football fans, I guess in your analogy, it's a lot of New England football fans who are like, Oh, yeah, you got really screwed, Donald Trump. We're with you. This is great. And the rest of the country is like, WTF, like this is nuts. So, and that's exactly what your poll is showing now is that he has got, if you're the Biden campaign, you are looking at this poll and the fact that it, it it tracks so closely with that national NBC poll, and you're saying, this is great. You don't want to get out ahead of yourself, but is this really good news for Joe Biden?
1: Well, he could use any news that might be good at this point. I think that if you're the White House chief of staff, maybe you get some bubble wrap and wrap them up in it. So he doesn't say anything to screw this up because at this point, this is an anti-Trump situation. And voters are not enthusiastic at all about Biden. They think the country's on the wrong track. They're very concerned at high rates about his age and his faculties, but yet they're going to vote for him. That is a telling sign of what's going on in America. And it, again, goes back to that very first number I pulled out, 83% are not happy and think that the country is The political system is dysfunctional with these two candidates potentially emerging. Is that another opening here for a potential third party candidate? Now, third parties have been mentioned as long as time, as long as we've known. If you're on the professional side of politics, you roll your eyes every time somebody says third party candidate because you know that the parties are such strong vehicles for electing people. And there's no raising the money, doing all of the things you need to do. Now, now Ross Perot did pretty well, but maybe he elected Bill Clinton. So who knows? But I would say that if there was ever a time when a third-party person could potentially win, it's when 83% don't like the two people that are running. There's all kinds of reasons why. If you believe that Donald Trump was responsible for January 6th. You can't just hold your nose and vote for him. It's a that That's not just right. I don't like his position on X, Y, and Z issue. This is, this is a big one.
0: That's what in persuasion literature they call a valence issue. There, you can't feel in the middle about it. It's one way or the other. It's like being a little bit pregnant or a little bit of an insurrection. I want to talk about that 83% because you led the show with that. That was the thing that jumped out. Most to you. Actually, before we get to that, let me just read back to you. So, if you're the Biden campaign, just to make sure I heard this right, if you're the Biden campaign, you're pretty happy with this. But what you would be worried about rocking this boat would be A, like obviously events in the world can change, right? Like you can have, like in 2020, we had the pandemic and all of a sudden the situation changed. So, you're worried about a massive exogenous event, you're worried about the fact that It shows in your polling here that the only message that seems to stick with voters about Biden is they're worried about his age. So you're worried about the age issue and maybe the fact that Kamala Harris is an historically unpopular vice president. Maybe that would be a factor for people. And you worry about no labels. You worry about a third party candidate coming in and doing a Ross Perot, except in the other direction, and giving the election to Trump. Is that about right? Let's take a break. We'll be right back.
1: Yes, I think that's exactly right. And they're very concerned about a no-label situation. And the fact is that no-labels could come up with two candidates that are Democrat and Republican or Republican and Democrat that have great appeal. And you may see them take enough votes away.
0: Right. It's a dice rolling situation that right now seems to favor Joe Biden. If you're the White House, you don't want any of these factors. All right, let's talk about that. Oh yeah, If you're a
1: real political junkie, keep in mind that if that happens and somebody does not get the majority of the 538 electoral votes and has to go back to Congress, there's a whole complex thing that has to take place. It is clearly the founding fathers were like, we're gonna put the A-team on the main electoral stuff. And you guys sit in the back room here and come up with a plan B if somebody doesn't get enough votes.
0: It's complex and crazy. It's complex and crazy. And it's up in the air. One interesting thing, not that it's the majority of the House as a pure majority that matters, but just quick for nerds, quick, interesting finding. You find that the generic ballot for Congress has once again flipped handily in Democrats' favor. It was trending in Republicans' favor for a lot of last year. Right before the election, it flipped two points in Democrats' favor, which again, kudos to you guys, stunningly accurate. And now that gap has widened again. So very interesting. I don't want to run out of time though on the 83% figure. Many years ago, I threw a party and there was a guy who got so drunk, he passed out, woke up and shit on my floor. Now that was a bad outcome. Voters seem to be telling you in this poll, that they fully intend to nominate Donald Trump and Joe Biden again. And 83% of them, as you've told us, are saying that this is a sign of a broken system and that they hate this outcome. They hate it. So it's, we just finished cleaning up poo. And we're inviting Ed, him said, to
1: back for the next yeah,
0: part. we're doing this again <laughs> next Saturday. Come on, we're doing this, right? You didn't know where you were going with that, Matt. Well, that's why you struck the story that way is you got to leave people hanging a little. Okay, t- what do you make of that number? That's That is kind of a BFD. Like that's a weird result. I
1: think, again, this is why a third party might actually take some votes and could potentially be something of interest. Anything can happen and people are really dissatisfied. And the Biden, the Biden number is bad, but as you mentioned, Harris number, we didn't poll Harris, but the NBC people did. She's at our lowest rate ever. And so you've got this situation where are people going to actually go to the polls? Are they going to say, I'm going to waste the gas money to drive to the local polling spot, wait in line to go vote for that?
0: I have a prediction for you. Let me run this by you, all right? And this literally came to me after reading your embargoed poll. I just, I love that it's embargoed. It feels like Cuban cigars. You find that, again, there's this one line of attack that people are not feeling so great about with Biden, which is his age. And that does pair with the fact that they're not thrilled about who's in the on-deck circle in the form of Vice President Harris. Now, that's, so one prediction I would make, and I hate making predictions, the best editor, I don't want to insult my other editors, a great editor I had, used to tell me, just avoid punditry in what you say and do. I don't want to be a pundit here. I'm not trying to make a lot of predictions. But I do predict that you're going to see a lot of attacks on Biden's age. It doesn't matter that Donald Trump is far less coherent when he talks. does not matter. That is, I predict that will be a main line of attack. Here's my other prediction for you, though. If you're in a boxing match or an MMA match, and you're up against someone who's just better than you are, who's just got cleaner technique, the coaching advice is we got to muck up the game. We've got to get in there. We've got to make it dirty. we got to make it a brawl. It's the same thing in all sports, right? If you're up against the Golden State Warriors where they're beautiful passing, you got to get inside. You got to knock someone out and you got to make it ugly. I think that's what your poll is telling us we should expect in 2024. If you're the Donald Trump campaign and you're looking at numbers like this, And you're being brutally honest with yourself, you're saying, we cannot win this head to head matchup. We've got to change the game. We've got to make it ugly. I think we are looking at what is going to be the ugliest, most negative, most vitriolic campaign in American history. What do you make of that?
1: And I think you're right. I think that's Trump's playbook. It's what he likes to do. And I also think that Biden's probably going to make it easy for him because a lot of this stuff are his own errors it's you only have to watch the press conference if there even is a press conference to to go there no those are done no
0: more of those
1: i'll also add this if trump picks a vice president who is potentially someone who like an lbj can get votes from a demographic that he's not getting votes from right now or from a group that he's not getting from That could change some numbers, too, because I think maybe at that point you say, yeah, I don't I can't stand Trump, but this guy is on the deck.
0: I that Tim Scott's ears must be ringing at that kind of.
1: Likewise, if by if they dumped Harris and and he put someone who everyone universally said is very capable person, that might change some things, too.
0: The only way to do that, though, is Supreme Court opening put Harris on the Supreme Court. Everything else is, you can't throw her overboard. You just can't, not with the Democrat's base. I don't think, you may disagree. Hey, I wanna hit you with a fun run as we run out of time here. This one, just like this was deep, uh, buried in your poll. This was really fun. You ask people their major source of news. And what you find is one third of respondents say it's either a website or social media right? It's like 21% a website. So basically the internet, one third of Americans say their major source of news is the internet. And that's just behind the proportion, a combined 37% that say broadcast or cable TV. I don't know what you make of that, but as a keen observer of the political, oh, by the way, quickly podcasts, 9%, we're coming up, baby. I don't know what you make of that. But as a, since you and I both believe that paid media is a factor here, what do you make of that? What, what was your takeaway from that?
1: I think it's scary, but I think it maybe goes to why 50% of Republicans think that the 2020 election was stolen. You can get stuff across the internet and people believe it. But by the way, it's not hard to find out who these people are in your own friend group. So something big will happen today and 10 days from now. They'll send it to you as if that just is hot off the presses because they're just getting the feed now. And the, my sister is a classic example. You get stuff that's 10 days old and she does it all the time. And you say, when, where, I just came up on my feed and I was like, you're, you're 10 days late.
0: I'll tell you what, I can give you just on our way out here. One of my favorite stories is a guy who's extremely intelligent and generally follows current events. He reads news. And he said to me back in 2012, and this was like in January, he's, like, Hey man, I'm seeing ads for this Elizabeth Warren Senate race. I thought that was over. Like I thought the election was back in November. And I'm like, dude, are you watching old shows that maybe are on your DVR? He's like, oh, this is what we're talking about. If you're listening to this and watching this and you've made it this far, congratulations. You're a political junkie. You're an insider. More than 99.99% of the rest of America, the rest of America is comprised of intelligent people who just aren't that interested in this stuff. And that tells you a lot of what you need to know. Yes. All right. On that note, we have to wrap it up. Neil Levesque, St. A's Institute of Politics. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to the next time.